All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. As always, today's sponsor is Authors Unite. And if you want to become a successful author, Authors Unite is the place to go. So head on over to AuthorsUnite.com to check out a free case study that will teach you how to do exactly that. And now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite show. Uh, today, we got Dr. Rob Bell. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, bud. Of course. Grateful to have you here. So can you just kick us off, tell us a little bit more about you, and then we'll, we'll dive in, into some really difficult questions. Yeah, absolutely, man. The harder, the better. Uh, so I'm a, a sports psychology coach. So what I do is I work with athletes, coaches, and teams on mental toughness, which is how do we play our best and perform our best when it matters the most? And then the other part about mental toughness is how do we deal and handle and cope with that adversity, that, that struggle in life? And how do we go about that? Um, so I've been, uh, I've been blessed enough to work with, uh, man, so many great athletes, winners on the PGA tour. I've, I've caddied on the PGA tour, probably about 20 plus events. Um, again, I mean, I, I, I say I'm blessed cause I never, I've never hit a shot, you know what I mean? But I've worked with the USTA national champion university of Notre Dame, um, Indy 11 worked at Olympic medalist, um, and then collegiate and, and elite amateurs as well. Um, I've written uh, six books on mental toughness working on my seventh right now. And, uh, you know, it's just my passion in life. And it's the one thing that I'm always just fascinated about is people's hinge moments that one moment that takes them, to where they're supposed to be. And then just that mental toughness, which we all need in, in life. So this is uh, this is going to be fun. So a question for you, the first one that's popped in my mind is, so you got like, you know, people like Tom Brady who seem to in like difficult situations, like they become their best selves. Mm -hmm. Right. But then you got other people, which I think is more on the majority that when it gets real difficult, they do maybe do not perform actually their best. So what have you seen? And maybe this is going to be a big answer from you, but what have you seen? Like what, why that is like, is it preparation? Is it some sort of like, is it diet or, you know, like what, what is it that makes somebody always just succeed in the most difficult of times and somebody else like fall in the most difficult of times? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not anything that can be seen. It's really not. So, I mean, the sleep, the diet, the hard work, all of them do that, especially at the top level. And if we're talking about Tom Brady, we're talking about the point zero 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 one percent So, you know, what is it that separates people that come through and the people that don't? Um, there are these performances where people play out of their mind. That happens. And it happens a lot. But more often than not, it's people that sink to the level of their training. And so how hard they prepare and how much they put themselves under pressure situations. So this is what I've discovered from people that you can separate from people, um, from others is they all had those experiences growing up where they were told they can't do something that's not going to work. You're not going to be good enough. And that helped solidify the confidence in themselves and sort of that I'll show you mentality. So they started practicing coming through in the clutch very, very early on. So the only thing that changes later in life is the stage. 
I mean, you look at Tom Brady, Tom Brady had a fight for every single level that he was at. So when he got to that level of, of the Patriots, he was already ready for that moment. And, and that's the part I think that really separated. So we're always training that. We're always working on that, even on those small moments day to day. Got it. Okay. And um, so I guess tell us some more about like your, your practice as well. So like, what have you seen for say, say if somebody wants to be an athlete, like what would you recommend if somebody like starting from like childhood, like, is there any like common commonalities that you've seen of the successful athletes that you've worked with? Sure, man. Um, well, I mean, like I said, my philosophy is this, that everyone is an athlete. Mm -hmm. our, our office is just different. So, you know, what's that mean as an athlete? Well, I mean, we have to be, you know, conditioned. We've got to be in shape. I'm not saying we have to be in shape or we have to be able to, you know, run 90 minutes on the pitch in a soccer game, but we, you know, we show up. We're going to have losses more than we're going to have wins in life. And it's about how we deal with that stuff. And then the other part is, you know, we compete. As an athlete, we compete. And when we think compete, like we're not competing against anybody else. We're competing against ourselves. And that's the most difficult opponent when you think about it, Tyler, because like if we're competing against ourselves, imagine playing somebody that knows every move that you're going to do before you do it. Like it's, you know, the weaknesses, the strengths, we know everything about our opponent. That's why it's so difficult to beat that opponent. And so when it comes to like being an athlete, like as a kid, it's just focusing on the process and the processes can we uh, address and want to attack our weaknesses in life and can we get better at that now if there are any parents that that listen and say you know i want my kid to be a pro athlete i say this look if parents knew what it took to be a pro athlete they'd never have their kids sign up you know the only the only people that we see are those that are really really successful like a tom brady like a roger federer and you don't see the 150th best tennis player in the world who's barely getting by well, let me tell you, that 150th player, I mean, take the 150th best attorney in the world. That's a pretty good attorney, right? Yeah. The 150th best surgeon. Well, the 150th best tennis player is not even getting in these tournaments. And so, you know, that's, I always just caution against that, man. But I always say, like, sport is the best teaching that we can have in life. I want all our, you know, kids and youth playing sport because of the lessons that it can learn in it. And that's the best part, man, is sport teaches whatever we want it to teach. Got it. Yeah. So it's more about like integrating it into your life, but not necessarily like having the expectation of, you know, being the Tom Brady or something like that. Absolutely, man. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, I mean, there are kids that are out there, but they're phenoms from the very beginning. Um, and even a lot of those don't make it. So mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that, you know, if people want to participate in college, like they definitely can do that. And that doesn't even mean like a D1. That, that can mean like an NAIA or a D2 or D3. Uh, but if they really have that will and want to perform in college, they could definitely do that. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I can just speak from my own uh, life. Like when I was younger, I played sports year-round. And I think if I – and I'm not really sure, but I think if I didn't do that, I'm not sure what else I would have been doing. Right. So I think um, – it's definitely like, you know, when you're younger, you got a lot more time on your hands, I, I feel, right? So um, I think it's good. Those hours after school should – it doesn't have to be sports, but they should be filled with something that's continuing your growth. And, and if there is nothing, you know, there, then typically the, the child will fill it with something that's not so good, you know? So yeah. I think 
I think it's absolutely man. Um, so to transition just a little bit, and this is because most of my audience is authors. So yeah, in the beginning that you said you're working on your seventh book. So can you tell us, like, just tell us about that, man. You've written like six books already, man. Like, how are you knocking these out? Because a lot of people struggle with writing books. And the way you said it, it kind of seems like it wasn't so difficult for you. Oh, man, no, it is difficult, man. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, and that's, that's what's funny, man. The sixth book that I wrote is No One Gets There Alone. And it started off as a completely different book. And it was the hardest book that I wrote. I mean, you would oh. think it would get easier because we know how to do the process, but this one got harder, just never came together. It was really, really painful. And, and I think that's what authors, you know, I mean, we're alone when we're writing. It's very isolating. Um, and so this is the only process I know how to work. And I borrowed this one from John Grisham because John Grisham, um, you know, pretty good author. I think we'd all agree, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, before he when he was just a legal aide. So before he would go to court for the day, he would write for one hour. And that's all I've done. I will write for one hour every single morning and that's it. And, you know, sometimes I get a lot done. Sometimes I don't get a lot done. I'm not like distracted. I'm not like checking email and then coming back to write, but I write for one hour focus. Sometimes it's research one hour every day and then that's it. So it's just like a workout. It's just like we're going for a run. And then we compile that now what we have is now we start to develop a product and i always say this and you probably agree with it i mean there's no good writing there's only good rewriting you know there's only going back through and then looking at it and how can i make this better how can i make it shorter and um but that's the only process i've ever done man because i'm a simple as powerful kind of guy and i'm not the sharpest tool so i have to keep it simple but I, I can do one hour a day so that's that's how i've done it man I love to hear that. I literally, I say almost the same thing. Like I think one hour every morning is the best way. That's how I've written my books. Um, a lot of people that, you know, we've worked with, that's how they did theirs. And, and another thing that you said that I love there is that I always tell people too, is it's like, you have no idea how much different, like you said, your book literally became about like something else. <laughs> so yeah. like you have no idea how different it's actually going to be um, after like the editing and, and the rewriting. So it's really about like the first draft if you will, is just about getting it all out of your head. Um, so that you actually have something to work with and mold. Um, but yeah, your first draft, I mean, it's normally horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh no, man. I know. And that's, that's the, yeah, that's the point though, right? Like if people stop there, then they yeah. think that they're not a good writer or something like that, or don't have anything to say. I think if, if people know that they have something to say, I mean, it's just, and it's going back and doing it again and again and again. I think the part that helped me out the most is when I did my master's thesis, like I'm telling you, man, I was a horrible writer. Like I would spell embarrassment wrong every time, you know? And I mean, I was an awful writer and I never wanted to do it. But once I had to, once I had to do it and I had to write my thesis and it would come back all the time, all marked up, you just get better at it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly it, man, is being able to get that feedback. That's the point where I look at like, you know, editors and having people that can really give you positive feedback and say, this doesn't make sense. Or like, this is unclear. Cause if it's unclear to them, it's going to be unclear to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I think we just get better at it, man. Yeah, man. And I'm all about the simple. I, I'm so like that. I love it. Yeah. Um, so what was your, what was your first book? I'm curious, like where the journey started. Yeah. So my first book was mental toughness training for golf. It came out in 2010. That was designed to help golfers how they were supposed to prepare. So I was working with golfers on the PJ tour. I uh, was caddying at the time 
and, you know, just had all these writings and I was able to put that together kind of as a manual. And this is how we work on the mental game while we prepare to play. Got it. Okay. Do you have any like stories? I always like to like, you know, like a, a story. So do you have any like stories from that, that like where maybe something, it could have gone wrong or gone right, but just any kind of like thing and with that you doing anything golf related that was just out of the ordinary? Like how I would train people. I mean, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, so this is what happened, right? It's like with golfers, um, the way that golfers prepare all the time is you go up to the country club, you know, people take out your bag and all that. And, you know, and it's a nice environment. And then what they do is they get on the range and then they rake the balls over and then they hit it. And then they rake a ball over and they hit it. They go to the practice screen, they drop three balls and put it and maybe they'll chip around and then they'll go play. And they want to know like why they don't get any better even though they're taking lessons and work on it. But what they're not doing is they're not working on the actual game. And so part of that means like, if you look at like how a boxer trains, like you would never say, Hey, a boxer train, like that's like pretty easy, but it's being able to take that whole mentality into like the golf game. And now when you can work on the mental game while you prepare. So for example, like one of the things in the book is 103 footers in a row. And I tell you what, man, that's difficult. But if you want to know what it's like to have to make a five footer to win your match, whether that's going to be a hundred dollars or $30,000, you go through 103 footers in a row. Now you're going to start to experience, Hey, this is where my mind's going to go under pressure, 97, 98. And then when you start to shake a little bit, that's exactly what's going to be like when you have to make that putt. Oh, wow. So wait, that's what like you'd have, uh, or like that they would do like a hundred in a row, 103 footers in a row, man, you got it from like four different spots. So five balls and you stay there till it's done, man. Might take you 30 minutes, might take you two hours. But... <laughs> I feel like it would take me two months. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, man, is, is you meet yourself in these type of practices and you find out you know what we're made of and and that's why I love doing like ultra distant races too man like I don't always like the rob that I meet you know but um but it's being able to overcome that like even doing the Ironman and um I mean that was actually a good race but 50ks and 50 milers I got coming up man it's they get tough and it's all about meeting yourself and I think that's how we compete against ourselves. Agreed, man. I, I'm always like that too, just with anything, even like business, anything like that. I'm always like, I don't really see, like you can learn from quote unquote competitors, like other people in your industry, but I, I'm never really competing against them. I'm just, I'm always just like, yo, if I keep making myself better, then it, you know, it'll take care of itself. That's just yep. what, um, but you did catch my interest there real quick. Cause I, I actually am an avid runner, nice. um, but I've never done any like huge ones, right? Like, I typically every morning I'll run five to seven miles. Um, so I think that's pretty, that's oh, you're good. To, you're good to go, man. Yeah. That's more than, than most, but the whole idea of, I don't know what the, um, what the longest ones are. Aren't they like 26 miles or something? Well, that's, know. that's your marathon. I mean, but you've got hundred mile races out there, man. Yeah. So that's the, okay. So, and you've done 50. Like yeah. 50? I've got my first 50. It's coming up. I've done a 50 K trail race. So that was 32 miles kind of in the Hills. Ooh. Um, yeah pretty tough but i've done an iron man and um is that non-stop like you didn't take any break stop buddy just keep going Ooh. man keep moving. all right so i'm just i just i'm just curious more on the mental side of things like where because the five to seven that i that i'm doing in the morning is i'm noticing like 
I actually think I hit this point after like at the five to seven that I could actually go maybe, you know, maybe double that because yeah. I'm just touching that flow. But to then double that again, that to me seems insane. So like, where does the mind go? That you yeah. Get? And, and that's the thing, man. So it's like the only mile that we can really focus on is just this mile. Because yeah. if, you, if you go in a race, same, same thing thinking, and it gets back to your preparation, right? Like you're not going to just, and some people head out there and they'll just do a marathon to do it, you know, with very little training. Like you could go out there and you could do it. it might hurt, but yeah. you could do it. Like if your life depended on it, right? Yeah. You, you would do it. You would finish it. And it'd be, be a lot of walking in it, but you would finish. And that's what it comes back to. So it's like in those actual races, once you prepare for it and train, it's just this mile. And just because mile eight is horrible, does not mean that mile 13 is going to be bad. See, the thing that we forget is about that second win that we always get in life. That second win is when we like actually like get better. And that's the part where we got to work for that second win, but it's going to come. It's going to come. And as long as we just keep moving, that's all we had to do. Just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Simple awesome. is powerful, brother. That's it. Just this yeah. mile. Dude, I love it. I'm glad I asked that. Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. <laughs> well, listen, man, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I personally learned a lot from this, so thank you. Um, and, yeah, last one I have for you is yeah, man. obviously you got six. Uh, your seventh book's coming out, so where can people find the books? Where can they connect with you personally or, or like, on social media? And then if you have a website. So that's, like, three questions in one. <laughs> I got it. I can remember those. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate the uh, the time. My website is it's drrobbell.com, just all one word, dr. Uh, if you just do a Google search, of course. But um, Twitter's probably my my most active. Um, that's just at Dr. Rob Bell, and then same thing with Instagram at Dr. Rob Bell. Uh, Facebook page is the Hinge: The Importance of Mental Toughness. And um, you know, I, I don't know when I'm going to be finished with that book by the end of the year, but, uh, no idea about release date or anything like that, man. It's been coming together. So. Got it. Well, but I will get you a copy when it does, man. I would love one and you know, six more in the meantime. So <laughs> that we have, Got it, brother. um, cool, man. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks Tyler.